podcast where we share this cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Today's guest is Larry Chang of Intuit, who has, hey, hi, Larry, how you doing? <laughs> Good, how are you? So Larry's recently joined the design research and insights team in the small business and self-employed group. That's the SBSEG for those in the know at Intuit. After spending, oh, the better part of the past 10 years or so um, in design strategy and innovation for QuickBooks and other products in the Intuit portfolio. Now, that was after spending 12 years as a design and project lead at the world-class innovation firm IDEO, uh, which actually followed uh, the starting of his career as a mechanical engineer. Is that right? That's true. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Now, speaking of a lot to talk about, one thing uh, that Larry's colleagues and people who know him professionally maybe don't know is that back in college, he actually fronted a really full-on shredding punk rock band called the Skullmen. And <laughs> I've seen the video myself, and I can I can speak to their credibility, and uh, they were just down downright awesome. So, <laughs> oh, thank so, you. so much to talk about. We'll talk about all that and more. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And I'm quite honored to have you on April 15th, being that you, you work for Intuit. Yeah, I got up at four o'clock this morning and did my taxes on TurboTax, as a matter of fact. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for your business. Absolutely. Thank you for your business. <laughs> I made the mistake of, of cheating on TurboTax last year for the first time in like 25, 30 years. Um, <laughs> oh. And I wasn't going to make the mistake again this year. So, so thank you for making that an easy experience for me this morning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is. like I, I'm not working with TurboTax directly right now, but I've worked with those uh, those folks before, and and uh, I definitely have empathy for like uh, this part of the year for them. They're on like pins and needles, like waiting for waiting for everything to happen. Yeah, definitely. Well, they do a great job. Cool. Um, so uh, you've had just such an interesting career journey. Uh, I would love to hear you kind of take us from the start as a mechanical engineer and then uh, how you found your way into the UX design and insight space. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I, my, my background is from a, from a, from a technical school. It's um, uh, where I played in the punk band as well. Um, I didn't, I didn't know what design was really until like my senior year in college, I was like in the mechanical engineering program. Um, right. But there it was like mechanical engineering was like applied math. It's all like equations, equations, equations. Um, right. I had a, a, a friend who was like a year above who uh, went to Stanford and did the mechanical design program there. And that okay. was my first inkling of like, oh, wait, you, you can you can be creating things. You're, you're not just writing equations. Um, and so when, when um, uh, so I, I did grad school there as well. And that kind of set me on the path to 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 figuring out like what 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 design was um, in, right. in different incarnations of it. Um, and then um, at, uh, at IDEO, I started out as a mechanical designer, um, designing like little bits and pieces of chairs and chassis for, for electronic equipment and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but it, it was there that I, I started kind of like really like broadening more and more over time, my idea of like what design was and what was important about design. Um, uh, I, I would say like my the kind of the pivotal moment for me when I kind of discovered design research and like discovered it was like a real thing and that, that it was really important um, 
I was working on a project designing baby strollers. I was a mechanical engineer and mm -hmm. we were looking at um, uh, like baby strollers have casters in the front and you can get them into configuration where they lock up and you can basically tip the stroller over forward and basically dump your kid out on the floor. Right. Um, and so, <laughs> so, so I was looking at that from an engineering point of view, like understanding, okay, here's the calculations of the tip angles and the forces and things like that. How high does the curve need to be in order for all this kind of stuff. Um, and I thought I understood the problem. Um, and then just like coincidentally, a little later, like, you know, like during that project, I was pushing my own kid in my baby stroller and almost uh -huh. dumped him out <laughs> at the airport. And I was like, oh, oh, this is what it feels like to have the problem versus like <laughs> understanding the problem from a from an engineering point of view. And, yeah. and real, uh, real world uh, empathy, right? Real yeah. world empathy. And that that got me understanding like, oh, this is why empathy is important. This is why it's under, important to understand what people are trying to get done and not kind of design in a vacuum. And I, and I think ever since that time, um, I've had like one foot in design and, a, and a half a toe in research in, in different ways. And I've kind of through my through my career have kind of did a little bit of both at, 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 at IDEO. We, we used to call it kind of disparagingly being like research light. Um, okay. But uh, but it's something I, I really enjoy doing, like understanding um, understanding that human element behind behind all the uh, you know kind of whatever it is you're you're designing, and, and definitely um, at, at Intuit that is a, a core part of like the design process at Intuit. Um, we have a, a design process called Design for Delight, which is is kind of like our local flavor of you know design thinking and everything from you know deep customer empathy to how to how to prototype and experiment and stuff like that um, sure. that's kind of what that's what drew me over from IDEO to into it was actually working uh, at, at the time at, at a central team that was looking at that d4d design for delight as a capability and how do we strengthen that capability across the, the company um, but uh, uh, from there I went to um, I moved over to the business unit, uh, SBSEG, to work on QuickBooks and the small business uh, tools that we have there. And mm -hmm. it's definitely a core part of like um, of of that uh, design process across across all the teams there. Um, and and as as you said, I've kind of had I've had different roles kind of within that that team since uh, this last August. I've been I'm now like for the first time ever formally a a researcher. So that's yeah. that's really cool. Um, before then, I spent uh, uh, two-ish years designing our um, designing a new uh, a credit card reader or a new card reader for our mobile payments team, um, mm -hmm. and even something like that. You know, kind of user empathy and understanding what what our small business customers are trying to get done. The core part of like what made like what went into the innovations in, in that. So um, yeah, so it's been it's been a windy path. Um, I, uh, it, it's, it was great to kind of like see that I'm not alone in my windy path, like, like, you know, listening to some of the people that you've talked to and how, how crazy the paths are. Um, actually, I found that like, even among the team here, there are a lot of different paths and, and that, that yeah. creates this really interesting mix of, of kind of experiences to draw from within the team. Yeah. I think that's, uh, th that's what keeps me so interested and fascinated in in the space, right? Because you're constantly meeting yeah. people who have these totally different perspectives based on, you know, what, what they'd experienced beforehand and what they brought to the table. So yeah, yeah really cool stuff. All right. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but let's come on. Let's talk about the skull men. How did that come <laughs> about? Let's, let's hear the story. Yeah. So, so I, so um, I went, I went to Caltech. It's a, it's a very technical school. 
It's also a very small school. Um, uh, the cool thing about it being a small school is like, you, you got to do a little bit of everything. Like there wasn't like the football jocks who did football and the band geeks who did band and right. Because the, the student body was small. Um, I, I met my wife, wife there. That's the most important thing. Um, but <laughs> I also got to play on the football team though. I'd never played football in high school. <laughs> I got awesome. my ass kicked. It was, it was incredible. I got hit hard, so hard one time, like, you know, the literal seeing stars and having your breath knocked out of you. Um, the, uh, and then, and then similarly for the band, I, in high school, I played for like a, you know, like a talent show band and, and I was, it was probably really bad. I'm glad no one ever recorded that. Um, but uh, yeah, in, in, in college, it was like, you had the ability to, to kind of meet up with people and, and Hey, we, let's, we're throwing a band together. Yeah. Hey, like, I, yeah, I've, I'd love to try this. Um, and, and to be able to, um, to do that in kind of a, a safe kind of a safe environment, right? Because it's like everybody knows each other and it's a it's a small school. So there's not the expectation, you know, like with the football team, there wasn't an expectation we'd make the NCAA championship or anything like that. So so being in a band was was similar, like, you know, kind of um it was such a small school that like um like the drummer on our band also played, you know, he was like also the drummer on like two of the other school bands and stuff like that. Right. So, <laughs> so it was a really fun way to just kind of experiment with with with, with doing stuff. I, I, in high school, I listened mostly to new wave. This was like in the late eighties. So even right. like the genre of music, like discovering different, different music than I was used to listening to and, and figuring out how to interpret that and right. having the ability to like, Oh, like uh, we were talking, like, like about like the Ramones, I knew the Ramones songs, but not so well where I could like, just like play it back as I've heard it. So Right. I would kind of change it up a bit, kind of on accident, but it would come out great. And it would be like, oh, that's fun. That's it's fun to be able to do. Yeah, that's great. Did, so you guys play gigs around campus or? We play gigs around campus. Um, yeah. uh, we we played, that was a long time. We played at least one gig off campus. I, I remember okay. I remember that like at like Pomona College or something like that. Yeah. It was, it happened to be the night of the start of one of the, like Iraq wars or something like that. I remember it was like, oh, this is really wild. We're playing a gig uh, on this, uh, you know, as, as things are going out in the world. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was mostly, it was mostly like uh, on campus. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very cool, yeah. cool. So it, it's really interesting to think about the sort of the technical educational background that you had um, and then the creativity, like, you're you're working the equations in class and then you you've got this great creative outlet you know after yeah uh, playing in a band and that sort of thing and it seems like that's that's a thread that's carried you throughout your career it's like that that creativity just needs to to get out can you can you talk a little bit about that and how that's kind of yeah your career that's that's interesting yeah i i think i i think that's right i was um yeah i think like like uh um, tr trying to figure out, like even trying to put a name to it, like like you're saying, like I hadn't thought considered it that way. Of like, I'm I'm in a very technical program. How does the creativity come out in different ways? But yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think, um, and, and I've realized kind of like recently, I think that's that's kind of maybe the, the the common thread is like a little bit of kind of technical acumen, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of trying to figure out like what's What's in, what's what's interesting and, and, and different there, um, sure. and, and how to, how to do things uh, how to do things a little bit differently. Um, yeah, 
yeah it's it's funny like it, it makes me recall like um uh there's a thing like where if, if if you know kind of what your role is and what the roles of the people that you're working with are do you try to stick to the center of that role and kind of or do you try to like push the edges of that role like are you are you just as interested in oh okay i'm the designer you're the engineer what do you know that i don't um so so right. having that kind of like um not necessarily creativity, but like just kind of um, um, asking questions and kind of being curious about like, right? How, how how much do I know versus how much do other people know, and and how does it benefit me to to understand a little bit more about what you're doing? I, I think yeah. that's I think probably because yeah, I came up through a very technical field and had to de develop into these different things, like like having that experience with the with user research with the stroller of like figuring yeah. out oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't. I don't know. That's cool. Let me let me explore that. Yeah, yeah. But it takes takes a certain kind of person that's willing to sort of push at the edges rather than you know take the role for what it is. And uh, Thank you. I or, think, or or I just can't concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it I think it makes for for a good uh, demeanor for research, right? Because research is all about curiosity, right? Definitely. Um, and and pushing the boundaries and finding new ways to do things. So super cool. Um, so speaking about research, uh, now now you're formally a researcher, right, for the first time, uh, and in the user experience space. So a lot of the listeners of the podcast come from market research, uh, which I do originally as well. I find myself in, in user experience research uh, mostly now. Um, as you kind of look at the landscape, you know, you're in this role now formally, formally you look at the landscape, what what strikes you or, or what do you think... Uh, needed or or might might come to be uh in the future of this space yeah that's a good question that's a like what one of the things that i've been figuring discovering that i'm discovering over the last um nine months or so as, as i've been in this role was kind of what you just described like research is such a broad such a broad term and and there's there's everyone from the very quantitative to the very qualitative and, and everything in between and um uh, it's 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 a little bit slash a lot intimidating to to know that there's just so many expertises out there in, right. in terms of like different different kinds of things you can learn with different kinds of of research that that's been that's been fun for me to to kind of figure out like um, that oh okay what 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 I what I my bias coming in in terms of what I think of research is very much on the on the qualitative end. Mm -hmm. um, but it's actually interesting. I've been like uh, in one of the projects I'm working on right now. I've got to dive into some uh, some some data with some analysts on the on the on the marketing side, um, and it, which, which taps into like some of the stuff I know from my kind of like my more analytical math background, and that has been super exciting. Um, I, I I think um, I I remember I was listening to one of your your other podcasts uh, earlier and, and talking about like the the role of um, the role of of, of data. Right and and uh, now there's there's so much of it. I was just telling somebody actually this morning, like the the difference between doing user research on like a chair versus on like a digital product, right? Right. You there's so much data avail availability uh, or available on what users are doing in the digital product, and it it right. changes all the time and stuff like that. That that's um, that's a, that's a that's a that's a great opportunity. Um, but at the core of it, uh, people are still kind of you know. Uh, hard to understand and they don't tell you exactly what they need because they don't know it um i uh um 
uh, another colleague kind of describes like how he approaches it as like a, what did he call it? A, a quant sandwich. Like you do qual, then you do quant, then you do qual. And, and the idea that like, as, as research um, progresses, it would be great to, to, to make sure that like, we can like, as researchers, or, or you know, maybe this is me because I'm kind of like you know new to the to the role in a, in a formal way, that we can understand what you know kind of what different tools are available to us, what different methods are available to us to be able to to understand things in different ways. Um, I guess similarly to how like uh, design thinking has a toolkit, and and, and uh, 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 people who don't use it well kind of like use it as a blend instrument and you know pull out a tool because they think yeah. they need it versus knowing that okay this tool is what we need at this point this tool is what we need at this point um, um I, i'm hoping that like for myself as i kind of like grow as a mature as a researcher that i have more of that toolkit and know like different places to turn to 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 get expertise from others um i, right. I I'd, I'd love to see that happen um i i think but i i don't think that means that like qualitative research is, is going away anytime soon, for instance, right? Like, right. Uh, um, I, at least for me, I, I, I love being able to, to understand this is, you know, we're seeing X and quants. This is what it means like for one person in, in, in real life, in their context, and to be able to always have to like figure out how to, how to kind of like solve for all of that at once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because a lot of what you're talking about uh, just reminds me of the notion that pretty much everything is data or, you know, data is everywhere and um, you can get caught in a rut if you are sort of stuck on a methodology or two, right? So I, I came from the other way where I started out, you know, very quantitative and, and primarily on the survey research side as I sort of mm -hmm. entered, the, entered my career. Um, and then you you sort of see everything as a survey, right? Oh, okay, we need to know this. Okay, well, let's do a survey. <laughs> but yeah. oftentimes there are much better ways to answer the question. And I, I have come to really, over time, um, believe in and see the value of uh, that rich qualitative research, deep ethnographies, that depth of information rather than, um, you know, just, just pure numbers. So, yeah. And so, but I think it's like, it's it's that recognition that data are sort of agnostic, right? Uh, and anything yeah, yeah. Can help answer the questions is what do I? That's need true. To? That's true. Yeah. Although, I I hate to turn it back on you with the question, but here here's sure. here's the thing. Like sometimes I think like with like a, a survey maybe as as an easy example. By the time you get to putting the questions on the survey, you, you've already made like you've already closed off like 60% of the answers, right? Just, just in the, yeah. like if your first question is, uh, which, which of these describes you best? And there's 10 choices, right? You've already yeah. set like a whole worldview that is just good. Like you won't, even if you say other, right? Like you, you, you won't get a chance to kind of get that back. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think um, we have to think about, you know, different, different questions because if you're really looking for something exploratory and you still want to be open to ideas, then a survey is not going to be for that, right? So survey is going to be much better for something uh, something confirmatory. Um, I want to, you know, confirm or disprove this hypothesis with some level of confidence rather than, you know, I'm still open to ideas. So, yeah, um, yeah 
Yeah, cool stuff. That's cool. Awesome. All right, so so this is a podcast, right, Larry? And I, I know you keep your eyes and ears open uh, for, for new thinking and inspiration and all that good stuff. So what, what media do you turn to, whether podcasts or blogs or any recommendations for uh, people when it comes to inspiration or something interesting? Yeah. Um, okay, I, 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 I kind of went old school. I'm going to show you like a couple of like books with paper, you know, kind of things that, awesome. that, that make me think. <laughs> hey, right. I like old school, man. <laughs> I got all this funnel behind me. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll start. Um, okay. Three things. Only one of them is like finished, right? Like, okay, here, here's something. Oh, okay. I, I'm going to have to turn off the. Um, yeah, put it like right in front of your face so it won't get blurry. Yeah. Okay. This, this is something. Users. Yes, this is something I haven't dug into yet, but I I'm looking forward to. Uh, um, uh, we we heard a talk about this. Oh, it's just going to get blurry. Yeah, got um, it. Uh, looking at at different kinds of users than kind of like the uh, like the primary user in a in a in a kind of like product relationship. Um, right. That's something that's that's kind of like um, uh, I I haven't really thought of. So that's. That's pretty cool, and I've been wanting to dig into that. I'm going to turn the, the, the blur off um, uh, because that this, yeah, it, it's it's something that I'm going to find inspirational. And there's like there's like a book, and there's cards and stuff like that. So I also like the the the, the physical aspect of that. Sure. Um, th this is a book that I have not finished, and ironically, it's very it's very ironic that I haven't finished it. It's about artistry. Um, okay. It's about it's about like qualitative like um, qualitative work and how to like deal with that but the book itself is it's it's a little too dry for me so i can't i can't finish <laughs> it but i'm really interested in the topic of like right kind of like the the, the same way i'm interested in like qualitative um uh research and conversations like what is it about kind of qualitative work i think one of the stories that that's in here that i always um, remember is like when, when when someone is painting like they have a story of if someone is painting a swan and the first thing they do is paint the eye on the black cam black blank canvas mm -hmm. that never comes out a hundred percent like the artist expects it would like does that mean the the painting is a failure from that point forward of course not like that's like from an artistic or a qualitative perspective that's that's where you start and then you kind of like the the work morphs as the conditions morph i thought that was a a great kind of visual to, to, to think about. Um, but I haven't finished that book. Um, one that I have finished, and I think it's because it's a picture book. This is something, uh, 101 Things I Learned in ar Architecture School. It's nominally about architecture, but it's kind of about like how to see the world as a, as a designer, um, and how to have a point of view about things, and that like, you know, bringing a point of view into something is, is a perfect place to start um, versus trying to design something objectively. I, I think that applies to how I think about research as well in terms of like, okay, what's what's the role of having a point of view that you bring into your research versus trying to uh, trying to discover something more of an objective truth and and and, and understanding right? as, as, as a researcher, you're naturally going to bring in some point of view, whether you intend to or not. But um, so um, yeah, so I like that because it's because it's also yeah it's a kind of oblique it's like it's about architecture but you can read a lot of the things and oh it's about design or it's about yeah thinking about problem solving in a different way 
yeah, really good stuff. I wish we had a few hours, Larry. This is uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good. yeah, a lot of topics I really like to to dig deeper deeper into here. Um, but I've come to the time where I've I've got to ask, and uh, I'm so curious, right? You said that you listened to classic new wave in the '80s. I'm thinking like The Cure and stuff like that, right? Um, and you you were singing punk rock in in the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, and who knows what since. So let's say, Larry, you're, you're stranded on a desert island. Uh, you've got three records at your disposal of your choosing. Keep you company for the rest of your days. What are those records? So I, 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 was, I was thinking about this for the longest time. I was like, I, was like, I, I, I don't know. What, like I, um, so I'm going to break the rules a little bit. And, and rather than like... <laughs> like Everybody wants to break the rules on this question. I'm sorry. It's, like, <laughs> it's all good. Well, because um, actually, like this came up in a in a conversation um, in, in a different thing, and one one of the things was like, you know, if you pick an album that you really like, by the time you get rescued off the island, you're gonna hate that album. So maybe you don't <laughs> pick an album that you really like. Uh, like, what's what's a, what's an album that will get you through? That's like throwaway that you can kind of like. Uh, but but I didn't have it. <laughs> um, so what what I decided, in, like, okay, if, like. Um, that I, if, if I knew this was gonna happen, I would, I would put together my album slash playlist uh, of uh, like covers of 80s, song, 80s songs. Um, Interesting. I, it was like, okay, like there's not an 80s album that I would like wanna be forced to listen to like every day. But, I, but, but sometimes I end up going down a rabbit hole like on YouTube of, you know, how, how many covers can I find of, you know, like this, Coldplay song. I guess they're they're nineties, but uh, or, or double zeros. But like, I I love hearing really weird or re really weird interpretations of, of songs that I knew from the original. Yeah. Um, you know, like the Cure. Like, there's oh, I can't remember who it is, but there's like this 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 uh, Cure cover that's right, like that's even more kind of plaintive and sad, but beautiful. It's got a a, a woman uh, uh doing the vocals on it. Um, it's like oh, I. I like this song because I can both appreciate it for, for the song, and I still have that nostalgia of like, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember when I was listening to this song for the first time. So I would, I would gather a bunch of covers of like those, those old songs. Yeah. So, um, so then, so then, if you do get rescued, right? So you've got the, you've got the essence of those songs that you're listening to, but you can yeah. still go back and listen to the originals after you're rescued. That's, and you won't hate them. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Maybe I'll just hate. <laughs> hate the covers that I can go back to. The <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Any, anything else? I mean, that 80s, is there anything else you would want? Yeah. Maybe like covers in general, but no, I, I um, what, one of your, one of your other guests talked about how they were introduced to Taylor Swift through, through a cover that they're, right. They like the song and their, their, their kid was like, uh, dad, that's Taylor Swift. Um, so, <laughs> right. I actually, I like, I, I really like the uh, Taylor Swift's the, the albums that she came out with over the the pandemic. Um, yeah. But it's but it's funny. I I, I kind of have a hard time listening to them now because they're so of that moment. So that might be a good, um, that might be a good set of albums to have on a deserted island, right? Because that you can listen to them and really get into like, oh darn, I'm on a deserted island. And then when you get rescued, you can you can toss them and say, okay, that's that's no longer me. All right. 
Well, it sounds like I'm going to have to wait another episode for somebody to say Slayer. It's going to happen. <laughs> Somebody's going to say Slayer, um, but uh, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Anyway, cool. Awesome. Larry, this has been a great chat. I uh, really appreciate you sharing your insights uh, and a bit about your journey. It's just a fascinating uh, path that you've taken thus far. And uh, of course, wish you the, the best uh, as you embark you. As, as now a, a researcher for sure, you know, tried and true. Finally. Yeah. Excellent. Thank Thanks you. so much for your time, Larry. I really appreciate it. <laughs>